Acts 14.23 says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church in Evansville, Indiana, and I am one of the pastor elders here, and my name is Bryce, and I am genuinely excited to begin a new quarter, which means a new quarterly focus with you all. We have wrapped up personal holiness. <laughs> we've not wrapped up our own growth in personal holiness. That's a lifelong endeavor, but we've wrapped up the quarter on personal holiness, which Lord willing will repeat three years from now. But right now we are beginning a quarterly focus on the local church, which this will come up, no doubt, as we talk about matters of the local church, but don't think of this as something separate from personal holiness or really separate from any of the things we've discussed, whether it be God or the gospel, discipleship, the Bible. I mean, everything happens in the context of a local church, and we're going to see that. This quarter, we're going to be talking about things like membership next week. Should you be a member of a church? How important is that? And what does that mean? We're going to talk about the nature of the church today and in a few weeks as well. We are going to be talking about the officers of a church, elders and deacons, and how they function. Ordinances in the local church, this would be baptism and communion. What do those mean? Why do we practice those? And how do we practice those? The last several weeks in this quarter on this podcast will be what I'll call attitudes about the local church, of how we should be thinking of local church when it comes to things like numerical growth. How do we think of that? And other things. So, without further ado, we begin this quarter, and like I said, we want to talk about the nature of the church today. I've titled today's podcast, The Little C Church, and let me explain in a moment why we call it a Little C Church. Let me begin by just talking about the idea of church in the Bible. The Greek word for church in the New Testament is ekklesia, that is in Greek, ekklesia, and if you just want to know the parts of that word, the ek at the beginning means out of, and klesia comes from kaleo, which is to call. So in a literal sense, an ekklesia is those who have been called out. So it is believers who have been called out from the world, the called out ones. The interesting thing is that when you see the word ekklesia in the New Testament, which we translate church, it never, not once, not ever, refers to a building. And that is an unusual thing because when you see the word church in our English-speaking context and where we are in the United States, when you see the word church, that's probably the first thing you think of. That's the way that word is used now. Said I went to church. You're talking about a building that is a church. The Bible never uses the word that way. We've just come to use it that way. So that's important to bear in mind when we're looking at passages on the church in the New Testament, which we'll be doing a lot this quarter. Remember that church in the Bible never refers to the building. So it's okay if you still want to call the building church. I actually had one of my seminary professors, Andy Nacelli, <laughs> I don't know if he's stuck with this, but at the time he was teaching us, he was so committed to not calling the church building the church. 
just referring to believers as the church, like the Bible does. I don't know if he's going to win that battle (laughs) because it's just how we use the word. But at least know in your mind, this is a church building because it's the building where the church gathers. This is not, in a biblical sense, the church. This building isn't. You, if you're a believer, you are the church. That gets to this distinction of really two ways that the New Testament uses the word church. So if the New Testament does not use the word church like we do to refer to the building, then what does the New Testament mean by church? We said it's called out once, but what does that mean specifically? Well, to really understand how the New Testament uses this word, you have to have two categories in your mind. Sometimes the New Testament uses church in one way, sometimes in another, and they're two related ways, but they are different. The first way church appears in the New Testament is what we will call Big C Church. I mean, capitalize the C at the beginning. So Big C Church, capital C. This is also called the Universal Church or the Invisible Church, and this simply refers to all believers everywhere. So, for example, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus tells Peter, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In the ESV and all modern translations, the C of church, I will build my church, is not technically capitalized, even though we're calling it big C church. But clearly, Jesus is not telling Peter that on Peter, upon Peter, he will build one local church. He's not referring to one specific regional group of believers. He's saying, I will build my whole church, meaning all believers are going to be built upon. I will build my church on this rock. And of course, there's question when he says on this rock, is he referring to Peter? Is he referring to the statement, the confession Peter just made of Jesus? That's for another episode. But I just want to point out here when he says, I will build my church, Christ's commitment, his promise that he will build his church is in reference to him building up all believers everywhere. You see the same in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Does that mean love your wife the same way Christ loves Faith Bible Church or the same way Christ loves Westwood or the same way Christ loves name some local church? Yes, but more than that, because he is referring to all believers. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Who did Christ give himself up for? Not just one church somewhere, not just us in Evansville. He gave himself up for all believers. Big C church, universal church, invisible church, which we call invisible because you and I don't know perfectly who is and who is not a believer. So it is invisible to us. There's not a mark on someone's forehead saying, this person is a part of the big C church. This is a genuine believer. God sees, God knows, we don't. So we call it invisible or universal, meaning just everywhere in the world, any, any true believer, or most simply, big C church. So many times, that's the way ecclesia church occurs in the New Testament. But it's not the only way. There is also... A series of passages that talk about what we will call the little C church. Not to say it's unimportant, but we're saying the C at the beginning, let's put it in lowercase. Acts 14.23, the 
that I read when I started this podcast is an example of the Little C Church. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, just notice that, every church. So the other passage is Christ loved the church, gave him, that's universal, that's all believers everywhere. Acts 14.23 is speaking of every church, all the churches So if there's every church, we are now shrinking down our focus from universal all believers down to one specific gathering. In this case, Paul was appointing elders in every church. He was going around to now what? Local congregations. A local gathering of so-called believers. That is also a way the New Testament uses the word church which again is now closer to the way we use church, but not identical. He's not talking about buildings for the simple reason that in the early centuries of the church, there were no church buildings. People met in houses or maybe in fields. We don't know, but they didn't have buildings until later on. So churches referring to a local group of so-called believers. Romans 16.5 is another example. Greet also, Paul says, Greet also the church in their house. Notice, the house is not the church, but the church is in the house. How did they fit a whole building in that house? No, (laughs) because that is not the meaning of church. Biblically, they're talking about believers who were meeting in a specific house. We often see things like the church in Corinth, the churches of Galatia, Now, in these cases, this could refer to one single gathering of believer. Some of those may refer to a few different gatherings in one specific location. But again, it's not the big C church. It's not all because they're in Corinth. They're of Galatia. They are tied to a geographical location, to a region, to a place. Note, the universal church then, big C church, is completely pure, meaning it is made up of believers and only believers. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is Christ's relationship with all genuine, true believers. So if you're a true believer, you are a part of the invisible, universal, big C church. However, the way the New Testament refers to local churches, little C churches, these are not 100% pure, but are rather mixed communities. The ideal is that they would be completely pure, but like we said, the invisible church is invisible to us. When we come into any local gathering of believers, Faith Bible Church included, Westwood, Northwood, anywhere, when you enter into that church, everyone in that church who is a member there professes to know Christ, but if you go to any church long enough, you will see people fall away. There will be cases of church discipline. People will stop walking with the Lord. And so you realize, oh, they were not a believer to begin with. Thought they were and they weren't. So our understanding of who is and isn't a believer is imperfect. So when it comes to the local church in a specific region, believers, so-called, meeting in a specific place, like Faith Bible Church, this is a mixed community. We're made up, hopefully a large majority of us, are genuine believers, but there will always in this life be an intermixture of those who are not genuinely converted, which as a side note means that we, 
even within the local church, have a wonderful ministry of evangelism, both in the preaching and in our interactions with others. We give a charitable judgment, John Calvin said. If you find someone in the local church, give them a charitable judgment. If there's no massive sin in their life, they're not under church discipline, you don't have to walk around all skeptical like, are you really not a believer? No, we give a charitable judgment until evidence proves otherwise. But we do have a ministry to be speaking the gospel to each other, not just to encourage each other, but as, but also because not everyone is a genuine believer. So, Big C Church, all believers, completely pure, God sees it, God knows it in every part of the world, and through all time, even those who've passed away, they are part of the Big C Church. And Little C Church, that is the local church, which this quarter is focused primarily on that Little C Church. The local church, the imperfect, mixed community of those who are meeting in one local area, like Faith Bible Church, that's what we're talking about this quarter. Now, there's one more question for us to address in this podcast, which is, what makes up a true local church? Since we just said that there will always be a mixture of true believers and those who are not true believers in any given local church. We can't say that a true local church or a pure local church is one that is only made up of genuine believers. That's invisible to us, and it will never happen. Jesus gave a parable about tares in the field that grow up, and the master says, let's just let it grow up with the wheat, and then when it comes time to harvest, we'll separate out the tares and the wheat. And that is how it is in the local church. So we can't say, well, a true or pure local church is one that's just made up of believers and that's it. But we do have to answer the question, what is a true local church? This was actually a burning question 500 years ago during the time of the Reformation when the reformers like Luther and Calvin broke away from the world-dominant Roman Catholic Church, which in Europe, in the West, was the church. There weren't a bunch of churches. It was considered the church, the institutional church on earth, but it had become so corrupt that the reformers said the doctrine, the gospel's been abandoned, justification by faith is nowhere to be seen, and there's so much corruption that we need to separate ourselves from this church because it is not a true church. But that brought about the question, well, what is a true church? And so the reformers wrestled deeply with that question. You could think of the question like this. If you get together with a group of your friends for a Bible study, is that a church? So you're believers. You're gathered together to study the Bible. Are you a church? Or if you gather with some Christians to hang out and fellowship, is that a church? Because again, like we said, church isn't in reference to the building. It's about believers. So if believers just get together, is that the church? Or some of you have a long history with or are involved with parachurch organizations, ministries, organizations that are doing wonderful work in the world, reaching the lost, helping those in need, but they're para or alongside the church. They are not actually, they don't consider themselves churches. Should we consider them churches? Could you be involved in some parachurch organization, Young Life, or some other ministry and that be the extent of your church involvement and say, this is a church, it's believers. You don't need a building, it's believers. So what 
is a true local church. The classic Reformed position on this was said by John Calvin in the fourth book of his wonderful Institutes of the Christian Religion. Fourth book deals with matters of the church and government. And he said this, Wherever we see the word of God purely preached and heard, and the sacraments, that's baptism and communion, administered according to Christ's institution, there, it is not to be doubted, a church of God, little c church, exists. So he offered two marks of a true church. Number one, the word of God rightly preached. Number two, the sacraments or ordinances rightly observed. And there have been many who have added to that, whether as a subcategory or a third item, church discipline, which we'll talk about this quarter. So if you have a group of believers, and it doesn't matter the size, but there's a group of believers, and they agree to meet together, doesn't matter where. doesn't have to be in a building even, but they're meeting together. They're doing so to hear God's word rightly preached, not heresy, but the gospel is truly there. And they are meeting to practice the ordinances together, baptism and communion. That is a church. And we might add that it should involve the offices of the church, elders and deacons. We will get into that. But just trying to keep it as simple as possible. The church is not just when believers gather anywhere for any reason, but it's very specific. Believers gathering, doesn't matter where, but they gather together and they practice the ordinances and they hear the word of God preached. And the ordinances are, you could say, an outflow of the word of God preached. You have the word of God being proclaimed, the Bible, it's at the center here. The ordinances point us back to scripture. They are a symbolic presentation of the gospel, baptism and communion. So really, we could narrow everything down and say a local church, it's built around God's word. There's God's word forming God's people, and that shows itself in preaching ordinances done rightly with the true gospel and true ordinances. So was that confusing? Does that make sense? That is a little C church where you have that happening and you will have all kinds of variety, even when it comes to when we say the word of God rightly preached, how rightly preached? Not perfectly rightly. I don't do that. No one perfectly rightly preaches God's word. There will always be imperfections there, preached and taught and spoken. And the ordinance is not perfectly rightly observed. It won't always perfectly happen. But in this life, there ought to be, there has to be a reasonable degree of rightness to the preaching which you could narrow down to, there has to be the true gospel. If you've lost or denied the true gospel, especially the leadership, just focus on the leadership in a local church who are entrusted with the teaching, if they have denied or abandoned elements of the true gospel without which there is no true gospel, if they are teaching you are saved by works, if they're denying the Trinity, if they're denying the real resurrection of Jesus Christ, any of those things, that is not a true church. They can gather, they can do social good, they can practice the ordinances without the gospel. It is not a true church. And same with the ordinances. If you meet in a home for a Bible study, but there are no ordinances, no baptism, no communion regularly practiced, we would not consider that 
a local church. That's a fellowship. That's a time of believers meeting. That's wonderful, but not a local church. Now, next week, we're going to consider membership in a local church and if you should do that and why. And later, we'll consider more about Little C churches, just how important are they. But for now, I just wanted to discuss what a local church is. You may never have thought about this before. You just are in a church. Maybe you have simply thought of church as the church building. That's all you've ever thought. Even when you read it in the Bible, it's the church building, like a faith Bible church, like our building. Maybe that's what you've thought of the church, or you've just not given careful thought to the local church, why it exists, what it should look like. Whatever it might be the case in the past, may God help us all now to think this way. Thank you.